Well, welcome to Frank Fire Fridays. This is Father Patrick Bykowskis broadcasting from St. Dominic Priory in St. Louis, Missouri. And let us start with a prayer. Today, I'm recording today, it's December the 26th, it's the Feast of St. Thomas, the Proto-Martyr of St. Thomas. I've always got Thomas <laughs> on my mind. St. Stephen, the Proto-Martyr. And let us begin with a prayer calling for his intercession. Good and gracious God, we thank you for the gift of this day, this gift of this season, when we remember the greatest gift that we've ever received, Jesus Christ, in our life. We pray for the intercession of St. Stephen to in, encourage us to be brave for our faith as well. Uh, we will most likely not face the same sorts of consequences and challenges that Stephen had, but still there are challenges every day when we are to be the face of Christ and to be proud for our faith and to reflect that in the things that we do. Help us and guide us to do just that. We ask this in your name. Amen. And today I'm very happy to welcome Colleen Dully, a journalist with America Magazine who has just come back from the Vatican after covering the Synod for uh, America Magazine. Welcome, Colleen, to Bright Fire Fridays. And Colleen is a St. Louis native. So in St. Louis, when we know somebody's a Catholic, or maybe, even, well, I think it's no matter what, yeah. you say, what high school did you go to? I went to Visitation. Visitation, yeah. a very, very fine high school here. Uh, we have a lot of guys that go over there. I haven't said mass there. I, I get out a lot mm -hmm. uh, saying mass in the community. And how long have you been at, with America Magazine? I started right after I graduated college, which was 2017, and I did a year-long fellowship, and then I started on their audio-video side as a producer, and then in 2021 or 2020, I switched over to the print side, and I say print in air quotes because it's, you know, digital articles and yeah, so on, sure, but it sure. let me focus a lot more on the Vatican. So now I do a Vatican podcast every week, some Vatican explainer videos, and mostly write about the Vatican, solicit articles on the Vatican, edit articles on the Vatican. Wow. How, how often does that require you go to, that you go to the Vatican? Well, everything was kind of thrown off because of the pandemic. Sure. So I, I was just there in October. I'll go back next October for the Synod. Right. If something big were to happen in between, yeah. I would go over. Um, before that, though, the last time I was there was 2019 when they had the big summit on the protection of minors. Yeah. yeah. Right. Well, Colleen, having been at the Synod, and it, it's certainly on the the top of a lot of people's minds here. I live in a religious house with 35 men. We, we, we talk about it. We try to follow what, what's going on, what it might mean for the church and for our order, for the way that we might be called to minister. Um, one of, the, one of the, the experiences I had within the last couple months, I was having dinner with with uh, some people and very friendly conversation, but it, it turned uh, in a way, not ugly, and it was not directed at me, but this, this woman turned to me and says, and what's going on with that synod stuff? Mm -hmm. And you could clearly pick up in her tone and the way that she asked the question that it was troubling to her, mm -hmm. and she, I think, just didn't understand what might, I, I have my own answer, but help the people that are our listeners to, to get a, a better understanding 
about exactly what the Holy Father and the Church has, has been looking for in this process. Sure. So I'll just recap a little bit, too, for anybody who isn't familiar. So this was a process that started in 2021. Um, it was announced in March, and then in October that year, the local phase of the Synod listening process began. So every diocese and every parish was supposed to have these listening sessions around the themes of communion, mission, and participation. And there were some questions to discuss within those. Really, it was meant to just kind of get people used to listening to one another and sharing with one another, you know, kind of what they felt was needed in the church at this time. It wasn't at the beginning solely about the Catholic Church, uh, like internally, although that is what a lot of the uh, discussions ended up bringing up because this was the first time that a lot of the faithful were asked to give their, mm -hmm. their feedback on the church. Um, after that, uh, at least in the US, the feedback was consolidated at a regional level and then it went on to the USCCB. They turned in a 10-page summary to Vatican Synod Office. That was then uh, kind of put together with the other reports and redistributed to continental assemblies. So North America did ours online, everybody else did theirs in person. Um, and after that, that feedback was sent back to the Vatican again, and then they put together a working document for this first synod meeting that happened in Rome. This was a big deal. It was the first time that women were mm. full active uh, members, voting members in a synod assembly because usually it's a synod of bishops. Uh, and then next year they'll uh, meet again and then they'll make some recommendations to the Pope and then the Pope will likely issue a final apostolic exhortation. And are these documents, these, these, these things that were created to synthesize, I, I, I didn't realize they were so short. And yeah. So they were able to take everything, I mean, the, the, this archdiocese, I think, the parishes, at least the ones that I'm aware of, took it, the role very seriously and had several listening sessions. Yeah. Were you, have you seen these documents, especially like what the USCCB did in I have not seen stilling. the USCCB document. I have seen all of the continental documents and any of the documents that have come out of the Vatican ahead of these meetings. Was there anything that, that surprised you as far as the, the, these continental documents that I was really surprised and kind of impressed um, by the fact that every single continent brought up in a major way the role of women in the church. Uh -huh. You know, all over the world, people are having the same experience of women are the ones filling the pews, women are the ones generally passing down the faith in terms of being right. mothers and grandmothers. Right. Um, they're often the ones volunteering a lot in the parishes. And yet, when it comes to like the decision-making levels of the church, you know, that's often relegated to people who are ordained, who are only men. Um, so I was impressed that, that that came up as just kind of a, a universal call for women's leadership to be maybe more formalized, more recognized, and uh, also to, to look into these questions of, hey, do all of these decisions require ordination to make them, or could mm -hmm. some of that responsibility be shared? Mm -hmm. I also feel like I should go back a bit to finish your first question. I outlined the process, but 
it's worth asking like what is synodality because it's the synod on synodality um, so I explained a bit of the synodal process but what synodality is is this kind of way of operating in the church in which you're doing a lot of consultation a lot of listening a lot of kind of working together between say the laity and the bishops and the priests across all levels and it's very closely related to like collegiality it's 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 sharing responsibility among the church um, and this is kind of an offshoot of what Vatican II's vision for the church was there kind of ecclesiology uh, in terms of the universal call to holiness inviting especially like the lay faithful to be active members of the church to be protagonists of evangelization the pope would say um yeah like we are we like people are the people who are kind of on the on the front lines of the church's evangelizing mission and this is just us i think stepping further into a mature role in the church like mm -hmm. a role of responsibility a role of yeah taking responsibility for for the church's mission and for i don't know our own our own faith in a big way did you get any sense that as you as you point out these synods are used are have always been not just usually are yeah. bishops yeah, synods bishops. and so women were there mm -hmm. uh, did you get any sense from the the, the bishops that were there uh, and I I know some of them some of them I think are very open mm -hmm. some I'm not sure about mm -hmm. uh, open to the fen to the to the sense that women are participating in this and that's never happened. What, what was it like, do you think, for the women that were part of that synod process? Did they, were they, was there a sense of welcome? Or were they, did they play a role that, they, that allowed them to, to participate in a way that they feel is? Yeah, let me paint the picture for you. It's, um, women were full members for the first time. They were not even close to like half the participants though. Right. They were, about 45 of the 365 full voting members. So that broke down to, they sat at tables of 10 or 12, and there was one or two women at each table. Right. Now, the women who were invited to this were generally experts in synodality. They had written on this, they had practiced oh. the conversation method before. Like, these were women who really knew their stuff, you know, uh -huh. who had done something to be, yeah, working on this uh, in their local churches. And so they had a lot to contribute, you know. Um, my colleague, Zach Davis, asked at one of the Vatican's press conferences when one of the sisters was up there, uh, he said, you know, do you feel that women are being given uh, kind of a, a fair voice in, in this process? And she was like, well, we're a minority, but we use our time well. You know, yeah. We use our voice as well. And I think, mm -hmm. I mean, anybody who has hung out with nuns knows that right. they, they can really... Uh, They're yeah. all about the business. Yes, uh, exactly. Getting things done. Yeah, yeah. and so I, that's very much the vibe I got from the women. Now, among the bishops, it was the reaction was a little different. Um, yeah, like you said, there were some who were very open. There are also some who were very opposed. There was one story, and I won't name names, but of a bishop who... Uh, at one point, early in the process, like slammed his fist on the table and was like, "This is not a synod of bishops," and left the room. It was a very jarring adjustment for some of these people. Um, and then, you know, I think the biggest group of bishops is kind of a, a middle area where they say, mm -hmm. "You know, it was really good to have women participate." At the same time, 
there is an important aspect of collegiality to just like the body of bishops, right? For bishops to be together on their own, which they don't get to do that much. And so um, there was a question that was raised in the final document and that I've heard discussed a lot since it came out, which is, um, is there some sort of like dual assembly model that we might move to where we have what would be called an ecclesial assembly, which would be this, like the synod that we just had, uh, and that would include lay people, it would include women, whatever, and then after that have a bishops only synod of bishops um, assembly. And so I've heard some bishops saying, you know, we, we might need that kind of space. And I think there's a good question to be asked about whether that's um, kind of, you know, scaling back the invitation that was given this year. How do you think the lay people that were part of that would respond to something, that sort of suggestion? Um, it's hard to paint the lay people's opinions with, you know, in, in one broad stroke, right? Um, I think that they all had the experience of being welcomed, being heard, being very grateful to be there and to, you know, experience this. Um, yeah, but at the same time, I, I don't know. I think I can imagine some being disappointed who I met. Cause I, I spent a lot of time just talking with synod participants, mm -hmm. you know, even in off hours, getting dinner with them, whatever, trying to get to know as many as possible. I think others would say, you know, yeah, okay, having a bishops only assembly afterwards would make sense. I don't know. It's there would be a variety of opinions. Yeah. And that's the end of part one, which will be a three-part interview with Colleen Dully from America Magazine. I am going to be traveling for 10 days. Next week, we have the SEAT conference in St. Louis. Next week, I should tell you the dates. Beginning January 1st, the Fellowship of Catholic University Students will be hosting their annual, semi-annual, depends, I think, on uh, the mood of the leadership that uh, they have it. Uh, it used to be every other year, and now it's more like every year. Anyway, I'll be, I'll be attending that. Hopefully, I may be able to get a couple of interviews. And then I'm going to Sicily for 10 days, from January 7th to the 17th. But we, you don't need to worry. There will be episodes of Frank Fire Friday. I will be breaking up this interview that I had with Colleen Dully into three parts, I think. I hesitate because I haven't done it yet, but I, I think it will work well to do it in three parts. So stay tuned, and I hope you are enjoying this interview with Colleen. I certainly enjoyed meeting with her and talking to her about this important the synod on synodality and, and how it's going to affect uh us and the world. I think I can I can say that the, the the things that we do in the church, with the numbers of people that we have who call themselves Catholic and Christians, and hopefully that people will see in our Catholic faith a place for them. God bless you all. Have a wonderful New Year, and we'll be seeing you soon. <laughs>